Hello and welcome to the Smart Building series. And this is our second free webinar in 2020. Hope everyone out there is doing well. Today, we are talking about hearables, not just music, but sound and the environment. And it's going to be a really interesting discussion, if a little bit um, sort of out of the norm of what we do. But I think definitely uh, something that is increasingly interesting um, with regards to voice assistance and workplace integration. And uh, we've got a, uh, a repeat visitor to uh, the Smart Building series, uh, Nick Hunt. He's a wireless expert uh, and has his own consultancy company called Y4, who is um, our, our guest speaker and expert today. Um, I'm very well placed to talk about this issue. Um, so definitely um, happy to welcome Nick back. Uh, just a couple of things before I let Nick introduce himself. Um, we want to make this as interactive as possible. So if anyone has uh, questions, um, we're going to start with uh, um, a presentation. Um, after that, we're very happy to take any questions. Just type them in. I'll get them here and I'll be able to uh, put them to Nick or if you have any questions uh, for us at memory about some of the research we've done as well. Happy to ask those. And then also, um, please subscribe to uh, to our content. You can find uh, all of our sort of webinars now, uh, both uh, as a podcast that's um, on uh, Apple and also Spotify, um, and also on YouTube. If you just search for Smart Building Series, you'll find us there as well. It's a whole load of content we're doing um, on YouTube. So uh, please subscribe. So let's get started. Nick, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much, and Good. thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk about hearables. Yeah, really pleased to have you back. Um, and yeah, I thought maybe uh, be good for those of you that, for those people out there who don't know you, um, maybe just a brief introduction about you and what you've done and your long, vast experience in wireless. That would be interesting to start with, I think. Right, thank you for that. Um, I'm I'm Nick. I've been working in tech now for longer than I care to remember. Um, the last 30 years of that in very much in wireless technology. So predominantly short range wireless. I've been heavily involved with Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, um, other standards like Zigbee, Zensys, and um, some cellular, particularly more recently narrowband IoT and the IoT oriented um, standards that are out there. Um, and during that time, I've started a couple of startup companies. Um, one was acquired by TDK, and the second one was acquired by Laird Technologies. And we were shipping wireless modules of all types into literally hundreds of different companies. So I've got experience of design and manufacture for shipments of millions of products per year. And I think the strapline is we've helped put wireless into everything from sex toys to snow plows. More recently, I've been involved with um, running the standards development in Bluetooth, looking at the next generation of audio products. Um, as some of you may be aware, there was a new Bluetooth core specification released at the start of this year. Uh, that was version 5.2, which is putting together the ability of low power that we know from Bluetooth low energy with audio transmission. And the aim of that is really to bring us everything we need for audio for the next 20 years, hopefully, in terms of standards. So what I'd like to do today is talk a little bit about hearables, 
and that's very much what the consumer understands when you talk about um, the latest generation of Bluetooth. But more importantly, a bit about the history, how we've got to where we are today, and some of the things that hearables can do and where they're going. Because it's not just the little white things that people seem to have growing out of their ears. The ear is an excellent place for putting an awful lot of other sensing technology. And that technology tells you a lot about the person. And as many of you will know, if you've been listening to some of the other memory work that's going on, is it's how you can interact with the environment. So what we wear in our ears may have quite a lot to do with how we're actually interacting with the buildings around us. So a quick look at what is a hearable. Um, I'll do the sort of standard presentation thing of trying to start with the definition. And basically, hearables are thought of as anything that you put either in or on your ears, which typically has a wireless connection. Uh, that's Bluetooth headsets, wireless headphones, hearing aids, earbuds, um, a range of uh, more esoteric products. But these are the things that we're going to be talking about today. One of the interesting ones is in Bluetooth, we actually started the audio specs way back at the beginning of 2006. Um, the first Bluetooth headsets that could stream audio were out on the market. And as often happens with technology, you can be ahead of the user application. And in this case, we were. Um, they very much languished until Spotify came along. And it's fascinating if you plot that growth curve uh, for Spotify as users started to listen into that platform and just love the ease of no longer buying anything other than a monthly subscription, that exactly mirrored the growth in Bluetooth headsets um, as wireless started to take over from wires. And around about the 2015-2016 mark, we actually saw by value that wireless headsets were overtaking the sales globally of wired headsets. And that's just continued apace. So it's an interesting graph because it makes the point that technology by itself isn't enough. You need the application that makes that technology usable. And we'll come across that again. Um, the impact's been massive if we look at what's happened with the hearables market. We've gone from virtually nothing in 2014, 2015. Uh, last year, around about 100 million devices were shipped. That'll double this year. And we see that growing up to over 600 million pairs of um, headsets by 2025. It's the fastest growing consumer market ever in terms of products that are actually going out. Um, and that I think is fascinating because you start to ask the question of with that many numbers, with that much money, with that much innovation, what else can we start to do with these things? Very much all started in terms of hearables with the Kickstarter project. Back in 2014, Braggy, a Munich-based company, came out with a concept for a new earbud that basically did everything. It wasn't just Bluetooth audio, it had heart rate sensing, um, it had temperature sensing, almost anything you could measure in the ear, they put into this product. And it's quite remarkable they actually managed to get it to market. Um, they've since sort of stepped away from hardware, they're now a software company, 
but they very much made the world aware of what you can do. The product that has really caught the imagination though and has got the sales is Apple's AirPods. Um, they've gone from nothing to about 100 million shipments in the course of three years. And as I said, people have just fallen in love with these. One of the reasons I think Apple have been successful and others haven't <clears throat> is it's really difficult putting so much technology in something so small. You hit a number of practical problems. You need to synchronize the audio coming out of both your left and right ear. And that's surprisingly difficult. You need to get that right within about 20 microseconds. Um, the head gets in the way. You can't transmit Bluetooth directly from ear to ear because your brain is just a big bag of water that absorbs it. So you have all sorts of issues as to how to do that. Um, it means your antenna design is difficult. Battery life is difficult. Um, picking up voice accurately and trying to get rid of outside noise means you normally need multiple microphones and audio processing algorithms. And just putting all of that in something so small is a real challenge. Um, it meant that most of the crowdfunded companies never delivered. Um, and even Apple were late in actually shipping products. And they and their major competitors, whether that's Huawei, Google, Amazon, are still struggling to actually meet consumer demand on these products. Now, a lot of that technology comes from the hearing aid industry, and it's one of the reasons why hearing aids are expensive. Um, this is difficult to do, but we're moving to the point where it's starting to become easier as chips are putting in more functionality. We're seeing companies like Qualcomm, HySilicon, and Broadcom coming out with reference designs. So the platform is getting there to make it easier to make more complex and more differentiated products. And if we look at sort of where we're going and where we are today, we started off with all the enthusiastic stuff from the crowd funders. Apple then came through and brought us AirPods. And it took Apple about five years to develop those first AirPods, um, which is a surprising amount of time for something that looks so simple. And they got it right by just concentrating on audio. Um, and their view was a, a very, very sensible one that audio content was already there. People were already streaming it. Let's design an AirPod to do as efficient a job of audio as possible to make it sound as good as a wired headset. And we've seen that has now been the benchmark of successful competition from people like Huawei, from people like Google. Uh, and Amazon is get the audio right. But what we're going to see coming along is advanced audio. You're seeing that in features today like the noise cancellation. But there's a host of companies that are developing audio algorithms today to do a lot of other things like picking up ambient sound so that as you walk out of a noisy building onto a street and from that into a quiet office, whatever you've got in your ear can understand where you are and can start to adapt to that. Um, it will pick up noises like somebody talking to you. So as they do, you can start to turn off the audio you're listening and take part in the conversation. So there's a lot of rather interesting sound algorithms happening that we haven't really seen in any product before. 
Um, I mean, that's driven in part by the voice assistants that we're also seeing in our homes, which typically are running with six or seven microphones, quite clever beam forming, and again, looking at understanding the ambient around them. The final bit that's coming along was something that the early products like the Dash put in is biometrics. Um, one of the things that few people realize is if you want to put biometric sensors on the body, the ear is the best place to do it. Um, it's been known for about 50 or 60 years. It's why we measure temperature in the ear. But if you're measuring things such as blood pressure, heart rate, those work really well in the ear. You have a stable environment, unlike your wrist, which we all wave around. Um, and you have quite thin um, skin areas to get through to actually contact and measure blood flow. So if you want to do biometrics, putting them in the ear is a really good place to do it. And these are all things that are a little bit down the road. We're seeing the sensor technology appearing today. And in the not very distant future, I think we'll start to see that moving into mainstream products. Where do they sell? Well, there's a whole ecosystem around this. Um, audio playback is the obvious one because content already exists but we have hearing aids for people that are just starting off hearing loss, you've got augmented hearing. The industrial side is looking at active protection. So it's no longer just giving people earplugs, but actually putting monitors in the ear so that you can listen to and control the level of sounds and possibly monitor it so that you know what exposure is. Um, the biometrics we've talked about, all of the audio algorithms which are allowing people to start to change the way they listen to sound and the whole of that aspect of internet of voice where we both talk to the devices around us talk to the, the homes the offices around us and also look at translation so all of these are areas that play to the hearables to say we're more than just listening to streamed music one point that has been an issue and this is the same thing that has proven really difficult to a lot of the health and fitness market for wristbands is for many products where you're generating data from sensors in that product you have a bit of a catch-22 that customers buy into the product with the hope that they will get some really compelling feedback about themselves their lifestyle how to improve their health but in order to do that, you first of all need to collect the data, get enough of it to develop useful insight. Only then can you develop compelling feedback and try to offer the consumer a service. But that typically takes six to 12 months of data collection. And most consumers give up quite early on. And it means we really need a stealth approach to fitness, whereby people buy a product for another primary purpose, and then actually accept that you can pick up some of this data, develop that insight and get back to them. And it's why hearables are so interesting in many different product areas that people will buy them first and foremost to listen to music, but they are quite a good platform for putting on other stuff. So bearing those in mind, I'd just like to look at a few areas which I think are interesting to talk to. Um, as I say, with audio, you don't need to develop that content. Um, but what we're seeing in terms of changes in the market, and the first one is 
we are beginning to give up on touching stuff, um, not just because of coronavirus, but we're finding it easier to talk to people and not just talk to people, but talk to the things around us. It's taken a long time to voice recognition to get there, um, very much driven by what Amazon has done with Alexa. They certainly weren't first in terms of voice interaction, but they were the first in understanding how to make it compelling. Um, and we're seeing that growing. Limited today, still very much to English language. Um, and that's going to be an interesting challenge that the market has, is how to expand voice interaction out to the rest of the world. But that's beginning to happen. Now, we see it in the home with Alexa. Um, one of the interesting hearable products, I think, is Amazon Echo Buds, because they're effectively taking all of the same things that Apple has done and said, let's get all of the audio right. They've got beamforming microphones, so you can also do noise cancellation. You've got the very good balanced armature drivers, so you've got quality sound. But the interesting thing that Amazon adds to this is it means that you can use Alexa wherever you are. So all of a sudden, you've got a hearable which somebody buys predominantly to listen to their music, but then has that same Amazon purchasing experience and the Amazon Alexa experience, whether they're in the house or whether they're outside. We see the model, as I've mentioned, for industrial protection. Um, and one of the novel ideas that are coming out here is we're looking at earbuds that don't just provide isolation from noise to protect you, but can monitor how much exposure you have by having microphones in the ear canal. A problem that the industry is getting is it's getting quite good at reducing the amount of hearing loss due to industrial noise. But when an employee comes in and says, my hearing's going, you no longer know whether that's due to industrial noise or whether because they've been out clubbing the night before. So we're seeing a move to active monitoring in the ear. And that's something that regulation is going to push into consumer products as well, um, so that you know just who is responsible for hearing loss. Um, and hearing loss is interesting. As the industry has worked to try and reduce occupational noise exposure, we've seen youngsters going out and increasing their own noise exposure by listening to loud music, going to clubs. And the World Health Organization is very concerned that we're seeing over a billion teenagers and young adults that are already beginning to show some signs of hearing loss. Um, hearing loss can be quite devastating in terms of the social consequences um, because if you stop listening to somebody, you stop talking to them and you start to see isolation and loneliness, which hits both family relationships and also people's ability to actually be successful at work. So those are concerns we have. Um, the whole of the hearable market is throwing up concerns as to is it an earbud? Is it a consumer product? Is it a hearing aid? Um, that market is immense. Um, hearing aids today only tackle severe hearing loss. And you're looking at shipments of typically only 12 to 13 uh, million products a year. The market overall is 100 times that size. So there is massive opportunity for people to look at that. 
I think we're going to see some interesting social factors as people start to wear devices around the office. Um, with earbuds, it's very easy to take them in and out to have conversations. And I'm already seeing some companies playing with things like just little changes in the color of lights on the end of their products to signify whether they're listening to you and actually using them to help with any hearing loss or whether they're just playing their music and they don't care that you're there. So we're going to see some fascinating social factors around hearing loss. And we're already seeing office integration. Microsoft has come up with these quite big white Microsoft Surface hearables um, that stream music, but also have a large touch sensitive areas that you can swipe if you want to change um, your slides in a PowerPoint presentation, if you want to integrate with any of your Office 365 applications. I'm also seeing people beginning to think about how you integrate these devices that people wear with the office itself. Um, with those Bluetooth links, you know a lot about presence. You can use them for authentication. We already have some prototype devices that will actually fingerprint your ears and recognize that they are in your ear and can use that information to enable your laptop or access to anything around you. So even if somebody steals them, um, they are not going to be able to actually challenge that and make it look as if they're you. So unlike all of those films you see where somebody cuts a finger off so the fingerprint still works, um, with that ear authentication, you should be quite safe unless you're decapitated. We have those sensors. That means you can actually use the things in your ear for environmental monitoring. And we know they're already coming out with health sensors. So where does it all go to? Um, I don't know. It's a platform that is ripe for innovation, for differentiation. Um, I would just say, look at where Mike, uh, Apple has gone. Over the past five years, we've had five series of the Apple Watch. It started with heart rate. It then adds more and more features. We have ECGs, four sensors, altimeters. Um, and think, well, we started to see that same evolution on AirPods, where are the next couple of versions of those going to take it? Um, the one thing we do know is the market is growing. Um, it's predicted to reach around about $80 billion in 2025. Um, and that's largely driven just by people wanting to listen to music. If we can add additional functionality, that will only increase that total opportunity. So that's basically an overview of where the market is. I've written a couple of reports. I did one five years ago. I've just updated it. Uh, those are both free to download, so go and pick those up. Um, the predictions in the first one were fortunately quite accurate, so I'm still happy for you to go and read the old ones as well as the new ones. Um, and I write regularly on this and other areas of uh, technology. But that's me. Um, your questions, and Jim, what have you got to ask? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was uh, fascinating. Thank you, Nick. Um, yes, as Nick said, anyone with questions, um, please let them, uh, please type them in now. Um, we are open for for any really discussions about this. And I think it's an absolutely fascinating area. Um, potential here is, um, is really as, uh, you know, as much as anyone's imagination. Um, <clears throat> so, 
I mean, I, I mean, I'll kick it off. Obviously, I, I think some of the things. Sound. Oh, okay. How's that? Is that better? I can hear you again. Good. Okay. Sorry, it must be my connection. No, I was, I was just going to say, I think some of the things I picked out from your presentation. Um, I mean, obviously, I think some of the things are most interesting to me are like what you were saying about the office integration, and I'll come on to that. Um, but, but more so around the, um, you know, how the the market has developed so far. And actually, it's fascinating you mentioned that company, um, Bragi, um, and why perhaps they didn't, you know, although they they championed, let's say, the market, um, but they didn't end up sort of getting as much traction as some of the other companies. It, was that because you think they tried to do too much too early? Was was that one of the issues? I think very much. Um, I mean, they struggled to get the product out. Um, and I think everybody who'd had experience of what they were doing was looking at them and saying, you're not going to do this. It's just so difficult to put all of this in. Um, and to their credit, they did get it all in. But one of the issues that you then have is you're ending up with a dozen different sensors and applications, and you are going to have to try and optimize all of them, and it needs a massive resource to do that. Apple were very, very focused. Um, they took the view that they had to develop a wireless earpod because they were going to take the jack out from the iPhone 6. Um, and everything was focused on just one thing we need to provide streaming audio and it needs to be the highest possible quality um i'm sure along the way there were a lot of engineers said well you could put this in you could do that and they had the discipline to say no we are just going to do the important stuff um and i've seen that if you look at most of the products that are shipping in volume today they have just concentrated on getting music right um, once people have got that right and know what to do with it, then I think we'll see the differentiation happening. Um, but for a small company to try and do that, um, it is incredibly difficult. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned that. The, and if you take these pieces, and if you ever sort of drop one in your beer or whatever, I would say get out a scalpel and a heat gun and take it to pieces to see just how it's made inside. It's a stunning sort of origami job of just how do you fit that amount of electronics in yeah i mean it's it, i mean it's classic apple isn't it with the way it's sim the simplicity but um that, that hides uh that hides is just massive technical challenge um it's, it's very impressive yeah. um but as you said it took them five years so um you know you can see that it was uh, and they were late. They were late doing it. Um, you mentioned that that some of these companies are struggling to meet demand. Is that is that still the case? Um, and, and why is that still the case? I mean, if you talk to major distributors, they are all saying for, that for the top products, demand is still outstripping supply. Um, I think that most of the companies that are up there at the top end with these products, producing the ones that users want, are still surprised by the level of demand for them. Um, and surprisingly, for products that have gone for sort of from nothing to 100 million devices, 
um, there's not been that much pressure on price. Um, and I think that's also sort of that nice one that because they're difficult to make, it's quite difficult to expand production. And while they're in demand, you don't feel all of the consequences of commoditization because everybody is just struggling to make as many as they can and you don't get price pressure that way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, equally, there are a lot of little lookalike earbuds that are coming out in China around about the five ten dollar mark um and some of them not bad quality and i'm not entirely sure where they're all going i think most of them are going into the internal chinese market um but i mean huawei who are probably shipping a similar quantity of their free buds to what apple is shipping um even they are still being challenged in terms of being able to meet that demand this does seem to be the product that everybody wants to have mm. yeah yeah and as you as you saw and showed those figures that it's uh fastest growing one of the fastest growing consumer markets ever i mean it's uh it's quite stunning really um yeah i mean and i guess and you know, driven by various things but i think apple have really did have a a, a big um you know a big influence on that and on and, and how it's grown um, a couple of things I wanted to also pick out of your presentation. Um, and again, I think what most people who, who are listening to this now or listening to this later will be interested in sort of like really like how this impacts um, the built the built environment, right? Like, I mean, that's that's really what we write about and what I'm most most interested in is about is about this uh, hearables as a platform for controlling, you know, our environment. Um, so, so, so two things that you I picked out. One, one was also Alexa. I don't know if we could go back to that slide where you, um, you showed the Amazon Alexa buds. I mean, I don't know. I'm interesting on your take on this as well. But you know, I've sort of been quite underwhelmed by some of the smart speakers. Um, do you think that? Um, and I, I think that's just. In in two ways, really. I, I didn't. I think the technology still it's still getting better. Uh, it's come a hell of a long way um, in terms of speech recognition, but we are we definitely definitely improving. But also, I think a lot of the time people struggle of like with as you mentioned earlier, like the the, the use case, right? We need the application to make the tech worth it. Is putting it into people's ears is that really going to um, do you think make it just um, make those applications even more useful for people? I think the interesting one here is going to be what happens with voice. Um, and when mobile phones first came out, the industry made money out of voice because we used them to make phone calls. Um, and we used them to make phone calls a lot of the time where we didn't used to make phone calls, which is any time we were out of the house. And it grew a completely new mobile industry of operators and the whole of the supporting infrastructure behind it that hadn't existed before. We then stopped using voice to a large degree when social media came out and we just started using our fingers and then camera phones. Voice is beginning to provide a pivot back to us 
not necessarily typing, but actually talking to things. Um, and at the moment, I think we're in the first phase, if you look at Alexa and voice assistants, where we're seeing all of this, I mean, lots of sensible, but also quite a lot of silly applications coming out, which people will probably get tired of quite quickly. Uh, but one of the places where it is working is over and above the standard things of just saying, look, stream me this, play me that, is it does seem to be the glue that is pulling together a real smart home experience rather than something that had been very much the geeky approach of I'm going to automate my house and nobody else can use it. Yeah. So the next step from that will be how we use voice commands in the office. And we've not really seen the voice assistant move into the office yet, um, partly because by its nature, it's not that personal. It works in the home because there aren't many of you in the room and it's quite easy to pick out who's doing something and what to do. And you normally do it cooperatively. Um, in the office, that's not the case. But once you've got something sitting in your ear, you can be pretty sure it's your voice that's being picked up. Um, not least because most um, of the hearables out there today have one of the microphones that physically touching sort of bones inside the ear so that you're picking up voice conduction bone conduction as well as having a secondary microphone that's picking up your voice so you could have a number of people talking together in a room and each of those that hearable will be picking up that person's voice um, that means you can start to look at how you pull voice control into a system um, it's potentially interesting that we could go from the point where we have got to where everybody types in what is otherwise a silent room because they've all got the headphones on um, to an environment that everybody can be actually dictating to their computer in front of them uh, with nobody else having any interference from that because they're still listening to something that has cancelled out the noise from around them. So working environments can start to change. Um, it makes it so much easier, particularly if you've got hearing loss coming in. And hearing loss in an office environment is going to become critically important. Um, we don't design office environments today particularly well from the audio point of view in terms of somewhere where it's easy to hold a conversation. Um, and at the same time as we're seeing um, hearing loss starting to kick in around 30, we need ways to make sure that people can engage very well in conversations around that office because quite a lot of the work we do is still based on understanding each other and sharing ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think you've you've really uh, picked out some interesting issues there. I mean, that was something that I'd written down while you were um, uh, talking about the office design and how, as you said, correctly i think that um they're not well designed in terms of you know sound and cancelling um you know certain areas for for, for different practices and we've, we've seen that i think a lot more over the last few years with this concept of activity-based working which is quite fashionable at the moment where you kind of split the office up right and you have different areas for different types of work so you have booths for phone calls uh, rooms for meetings, um, other areas, breakout areas, lunch areas, etc. But 
you know, really, like, as you said, like if, if the technology improves, which I'm sure it will with, with us, you can, you also, you have kind of like automatic audio zones, right? So you can cancel noise out and take a phone call without having any issue um, yep. that, that other people can hear. And I think, I think that's, that's really interesting, like this kind of instant isolation um, without then having to design different areas. Um, is, I mean, is that something? Is one of the, Go on. Sorry. Yeah, it's one of the interesting things about architecture today. And um, I've been working with a startup that's trying to look at how do you measure the sort of audio quality of buildings is one of the things that we see is <clears throat> most architects don't have an understanding of noise control. And even where they do, it tends to be the first thing that gets cut off when somebody is trying to pare the price down. Um, and remarkably few buildings. I mean, if you look at the amount of money that we work and the other is putting into sort of office buildings, almost none of that money is put into making it a good auditory environment to work in. Um, and whilst I don't think the route forward or the best one is necessarily the approach of saying we will use clever hearables to try and cope with cut price architects. Um, it may well be a, a useful and profitable solution to try and make um, the working environment better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll have to see how that plays out. But it just it did occur to me when you know you were talking that that um, it is something that, I mean, you see it now already. I mean, it's, uh, they're, they're quite ubiquitous, the hearables now, and even just sitting in, in an office, and even where I am, you, most people will have headphones in, be it earbuds or something else. And, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just, uh, it's just the way, the way things are at the moment. People are using yeah. them to cancel noise out um to listen to something while they're doing work or even you know just so that they don't have to hear perhaps conversations that are happening while they're trying to focus and um yeah i think that's again that could be some you we like how voice has been extended as the main, yeah. I mean, main use case. interesting if you, if you look at the average hearing aid user they wear their hearing aid for around about nine hours a day and we're seeing some wearers of hearables actually wearing them for longer than people with hearing loss wear a hearing aid. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. It's, I sometimes forget they're in. <laughs> yeah, that, that that addiction to having, and particularly music in your ear, is, is a weird one. It's a remarkably new thing in terms of he, human evolution, but uh, we have taken to it sort of as much as to any other drug we've had. Mm. Uh, yes, just to remind everybody, uh, if you do have some questions for Nick, uh, now is the time to put them to him. Um, you might not have another chance to talk to a, an expert in wireless, so um, feel free to pick his brains while we have him here. I think the other thing that, that struck me um, with, with this kind of built environment interaction, of course, then is, is what you were saying about um, not just authenticating an individual, so like the biometric side, but but also the voice command side. Um, I mean, you mentioned then sort of authenticating with perhaps the enterprise, but also potentially access control um, or room booking. I mean, do you see? I don't suppose there's any. Is there anybody working on this kind of stuff at the moment, or do you see that? I'm developing? seeing. 
And seeing demonstrations coming out is probably a more accurate description. Um, I mean, it's interesting some of the companies that have been involved in sort of the high end of consumer audio are beginning to look at audio as a platform. Um, and to that extent, it's developing operating systems that you can start to run audio applications on. Effectively, I suppose, using audio as sort of augmented reality. So that is looking at how you use voice commands, but also understanding sound in the environment and what else you can monitor with that. So there are certainly products that are being worked on. Um, I think at the CES next year, we're probably going to see some of the first public exposures of some of those. Mm. Um, mm. And I think it may be a little bit like Google Glass. I mean, everybody tends to discredit Google Glass and say, well, look, it didn't work. The reality is the second version of that is out there and it's doing very well in a commercial and industrial applications. Mm. And that's what fascinates me about this particular um, aspect. I think we may see the same thing that although we have enormous consumer uptake today because Apple have done the basics and got music streaming right, yet I think there's another layer of that which people are going to look at to say how do we take that and what are the audio applications that then go into the workplace? What are the occasions where I need to talk to things? What are the occasions where you need to know it's me? Um, we can even do things if you're talking, you know which way you're looking because of the <clears throat> being able to pick out um, sort of flight of time sounds. So there's quite a lot of interesting stuff that's happening down at an R&D level today that I would expect to see come out and get implemented into products in the next few years. Yeah, this reminded me when you sort of talked about augmented audio, that uh, you say like how some you go around an art gallery or a museum um, and you have, you can rent those uh, kind of like guess audio device with some headphones and then they, they talk, you go past a, a painting and then you can you can get some audio to describe it to you um i mean that obviously very basic but that kind of thing i think is i mean there's a, must be a lot of applications around that kind that's of already rolling out in some places um and there was an interesting trial um that microsoft ran along with some hearing aid companies a few years ago to actually provide audio instructions as you walk around um, so part of your travel plan will be telling you, is it the right tube train you're getting on? Mm. Do you need to get out? Which way do you turn at each juncture? So an whole of augmented audio is there for instructions. Mm. And if you think about what's being done with some of the augmented reality glasses, I mean, typically, if you're working with Boeing and, and Airbus, you use those when you're doing wiring planes up. Um, there's a lot that can be done with audio instruction. Um, so while you're doing a task is being prompted, reminded of what you need to do. And it's a lot less intrusive than wearing the glasses. It's a lot lower powered. Um, so we do see a lot of interest in terms of how do you use that 
audio augmentation to actually help people, typically with industrial tasks. Mm. Yeah, it just struck me then as well, things like visitor management um, systems as well. So maybe you've got to send somebody who doesn't know the building to a particular meeting room. Um, yep. Yeah, they, you could uh, give them instructions. Um, I know a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of, quite a few startups who are doing indoor mapping and, and looking at, at wayfinding and that kind of thing. And there's uh, clearly some, uh, might be quite useful, audio is particularly, I would say, useful for that kind of thing as well. Yeah. I mean, I, and the analogy I have is about 10 years ago, everybody started to think quite hard about what do we do when people bring their phones into the office um, and there have been some interesting aspects of that i don't think we've seen the integration that perhaps some thought about but when you bring your earbuds into the office it's effectively the same thing you're bringing your own devices in and there are some good opportunities um, to try and see how you integrate that now people buy earbuds because it makes their life experience, if you want to call it that, feel better. So I think if you're looking at building integration, one of the things is how do you help provide information? Um, I mean, it's interesting if you go to a sort of Apple's new spaceship building, they've got quite a lot of apps that are phone based at the moment so you can not only order what you want in the canteen before you go for lunch but you can find out how long the queues are to get it so you can adjust what you're doing um, and using audio for that can make life a lot easier so i expect to see it integrated in more the sort of the welfare well-being apps at work mm. as a first point because that's what people appreciate. It works for them. You get comfortable with the experience. Right. Once you've got to that point, you can start to think about, and how do I layer some of the other aspects in? It's all about taking little steps that don't appear to challenge privacy, but enhance the experience, um, and then slowly building up as you make work a more integrated experience. and that's what it should all be about your integration of the work the building you're in to make it as enjoyable as possible because that way you're going to make it as productive as possible mm. yeah no I totally agree i think and that you mentioned there's sort of these tenant experience apps we've seen you know part of what we do is we look at sort of startups that are in the smart building space and we've seen a lot of uh startup companies coming out with these tenant experience apps um very interesting some of the applications you were talking about there like you know showing just simple things like showing menus and or uh you know um promoting events within the company all that kind of thing you can see quite easily it's not so much of a stretch right then to take that just rather than having to get your phone out you can speak to Alexa or and then ask let's say hey um, what are the queues like in uh, in the canteen at the moment or what's uh, what's on the menu um, you know again sort of a bit of a tighter integration as opposed to having to get your phone out look at the app scroll through it etc and one of the things that we do see as people start to wear um, earbuds is they get their phone out less they touch the phone less. Mm. 
Um, it's interesting when we're going to get to peak smartphone and when we're going to start even carrying something that looks like a phone round with us. Mm. Um, we do it today because we've been through the social media, but a lot of people today, if they're streaming music and if they can control it either from touching their earbuds or just by saying what they want to do, leave the phones in their pockets for a lot, lot longer during the course of the day. Um, and that's one of the great things about voice. It's very flexible with what you can ask and what you can do, potentially even more so than a, a phone screen. So the more we become comfortable with talking to our environment, the less we're likely to want to bother with getting a phone out. And at some point, we may even start to say, well, do we need to carry a phone around with us? Or do I actually put my phone connection in something else that I have rather than having it as a phone? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're, it, it will be interesting to, to see when, like you said, you said peak smartphone is. I mean, I think we're, we're not there yet. Was. Clearly, but, oh, it was. Oh, okay. uh, well, if you, look at the, if you look at the numbers, we are past peak smartphone. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, didn't realize that. I mean, part of that is we now keep the phones longer. Uh, but okay. in terms of smartphone sales per year, we reached the peak about two years ago. Mm. Would you, and but would that would that apply to usage time do you think or no that applied to physical sales in terms sales. of numbers of phones shipped okay yeah um usage time i don't know i mean i would expect the usage time to go up because earbuds are allowing people to stream music for longer and because they're easy and they're usable and they're comfortable you will keep them in when you get home to still stream music off your phone rather than going and turning on hi-fi system or something else to listen to that music mm. Mm. so in terms of network usage i think we're fine well we know data usage is going up um in terms of sort of finger time on your phone i suspect that's going down mm. yeah no doubt. I'm sure Apple have got uh, the answer to these questions, but <laughs> we don't at the moment. <laughs> They're monitoring yes, closely all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the other slides I thought was really interesting uh, was the Office, Microsoft Office um, slide you put up. Can we can we see that one? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I had no idea that they were they were they had this their own their own version, but. I think this is integration with Office 365 um, could be could be very very interesting. Um, and again, I think they've done a good job of, you know, taking that product into the cloud and then using it in and, and it is much more dynamic now than than it used to be. Um, even yeah. to the point where I think you can even you can look at sort of how communication within. Uh, within the, the company and how emails are being sent, how documents are being shared. And, you know, I can see the potential then for, for audio being used, um, you know, more as a communication tool. Uh, so maybe you're not having a, you know, obviously we talk about in the office about the, wanting to create that environment of, uh, of co-creation and creativity and, you know, bouncing ideas off each other <clears throat> might, 
might be that might might help that as well it doesn't necessarily just have to be about isolating people right and cutting noise out but it could be yeah. adding people into the conversation as well potentially yes then the slight irony that we're using technology to get back to the point of talking to each other <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, yeah but no i, I think that the, 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 the Microsoft Surface, it's an odd-looking thing, um, but we're seeing some interesting products coming out where people are saying, well, look, nobody thought you'd put something like an AirPod in your ear, but they're happy with it, so what else can we do? And I think it's people like Microsoft who are saying, well, how do we make Office 365 a bit more personal that you don't actually need something in front of you? Um, I think the Alexa experience with um, the Echo Buds is that interesting one of how do we move what we now know is a usable service model outside the home? These are people that are saying, we have business models already. Can we make them more mobile? Mm. And that's what their hearable devices are doing. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to see see how how that plays out. Um, I mean, what what do you? I mean, I think you again that slide you put up of sort of showing the how the the phone, sorry, the how the watch, the Apple Watch is developed, um, and then potentially thinking about what the what the that one there, yeah, the how, how the earbuds will develop. I mean, did had you had any thoughts about that? What what do you think they'll be doing next? Next, I don't know that they're taking small steps, um, as in fact they did with the watch. Now, if you, if you look inside, some of those are quite big technical steps. Um, I would be very surprised if we don't see some biometric sensors and health sensors appearing. Um, that's what's been happening by the watch. Um, they are already accumulating a lot of data, which gives them that core knowledge base that they can use for developing apps and there's a lot of fascinating stuff you can do when you've got a sensor in an ear and a sensor on the wrist particularly if it's the opposite side of the body you can do some very very much more accurate ecg measurements doing that so i would expect to see some health sensors appearing at some point um i, mean, I don't know looking back and I will probably never get a correct answer. I don't even know if Apple knew it. I don't know whether they ever intended there to be a second generation of AirPods or whether it was initially just going to be a statement product um, to go along with the announcement that they've taken the, the jack out. Mm. And the assumption was that then Beats would do all of this. Um, the reality now is they're vastly outselling Beats in terms of an audio headset provider. Yeah, that's um, because, So in, in um, a sense, was that... I mean, was that acquisition of Beats because they had some wireless technology, or was it just? Uh, yeah, it seems seems a bit of an no. irony now that they're they're out selling them. No, the wireless technology came from an earlier chip acquisition, okay. um, and in fact, um, Apple developed their own wireless chip. Uh, so they've got their own Bluetooth and Wi-Fi chip that initially went into the AirPod. Um, that has gone more recently into Beats products, and Apple's now on its second generation. Um, it's interesting they felt the need to develop their own Bluetooth chip to get all of the functionality they needed. 
Um, but if we go over to Huawei, then Huawei's silicon division, High Silicon, has done exactly the same thing for their earbuds, their free buds. Mm. Um, they ha have their own low-power audio chip with a lot of audio DSP functionality built in. Mm. And we're seeing, I mean, the component market's changing massively. Um, we're seeing little MEMS microphones, so little engineered silicon microphones, which have built-in digital signal processing. So at the very point of capture of voice and audio, you're already starting to throw in your processing algorithms. Right. Um, and we've got some very sophisticated beam forming coming out in both some of the um, sort of home voice assistant products, um, also just in little assistant microphones for hearing aids. I mean, an average hearing aid today has three or four microphones in um, doing very clever beam forming and processing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's developing with the, the technology is um, incredible, really, um, and how, as you mentioned in your presentation, how quickly it's developing. Um, I think it's slight. It's interesting to me. I mean, I I totally agree with you, by the way. Like about how I think I can imagine that Apple are going to, you know, create a more sort of some health wellness experience using both the headphones and the and the watch i think that's that that's makes a lot of sense but sort of slightly ironic that perhaps you know we trust as consumers like we trust apple with all this data but like people complain at work if uh, <laughs> if people if they think they're being like monitored or like you know someone knows where they're sitting in the office <laughs> doesn't seem it, to stack it up, is that it? interesting irony i mean it's that old adage that sort of if you get the service for free, then you've become the product. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're coming to the end, I think, Nick, of our, of our hour. Um, it's been fascinating. Uh, maybe you just want to bring up that last slide um, hmm. and let everybody know that if they want to get hold of you, um, there you go. There's your, um, your details there. So everything there. If you want to send the slides around to anybody that signed up, please feel free. I will. I'll, they'll, I'll put them online. Um, yeah. Just got a, uh, uh, a, main, um, a quick last question here from the audience. Let's do this one while we've still got a bit of time. Um, architects have been mentioned as a gatekeeper to audio opportunities. Um, or a reason that the audio tech spec is ground downgraded. Do you feel the experience and importance of audio hearing in the workspace is becoming more important to them, or does their design still rule over practicality? Any insight um, there, Nick, on how I don't think, think it needs to be a a battle of is it practical? I think in far too many designs, the building is designed first and foremost as a structural design, at which point it's the, what do we need to do to try and improve the audio quality of it? Mm. Um, I think it would be nice to see a more holistic approach where we don't have to add sticking plasters to make it a good working environment. Um, rather taking the approach of how do you design this to be a good working environment and i think we still have a big challenge that a lot of workspaces are designed first and foremost by 
so the, the physical aspect of where are people sitting um, and what is the movement like, how do people interact, without thinking about the fact that most of that interaction is going to be by voice. So how do you make it a comfortable environment to hold conversations? I'm aware of many, many conference rooms where you sit in and talk for a day and you come out with a sore throat because you realize you're having to shout just to be heard over the air conditioning. Mm. Yeah. Um, a... We need to think about those things of just how do you get the relative dB level down and the acoustics right within rooms where you expect people to speak? No, I mean, absolutely. But it's a very difficult, I think. A difficult problem takes into account so many different variables and factors. Yeah. But I, my take on that, um, I think, is if we can get, if we can do more work with data modeling, digital twins, I think we can design or have more sophisticated designs and therefore bring in more, you know, be able really to model audio and sound and things like that. Um, but yeah, at some point anyway. Um, and I think there's an aspect on. there, I mean, both for architects and perhaps even more for people commissioning them, is to ask the question of, have you done an acoustic evaluation on this design? Mm, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And see how many times you get a stunned silence. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and the answer to the last question there, how do we get the slides? They will, um, I'm going to um, post them on our website, but they will be up on probably uh, later this evening or tomorrow. Um, so yes, I last thing here, um, if you want to get hold of Nick, there is details, but also I definitely encourage people to go and subscribe to his blog, nickhun.com. Um, it's excellent. Um, so thanks for that, Nick. And of course, thank you for um, giving us an hour of your time today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for the opportunity. And just want to say, um, if anyone wants to subscribe, please do that. You can do that through um, either um, iTunes or Spotify or indeed on uh, YouTube. So please feel free and do that. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Um, appreciate your time. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.